the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. My son came around just the other day. He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid. Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay. Will anyone know? He said, no, no way. And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim and said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. He's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes are going to be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when I'll put aside your 10 percent, Dad I'll always have your 10 percent Little did I know when I wrote that parody song how true that particular lyric would be. We had heard rumors about Ukrainian bribes. We had heard rumors about Big Guy. We had heard rumors about 10%. Yesterday afternoon, after our show ended, we got those rumors confirmed from the FBI's FD-1023 form. Yes, indeed, Ukrainian bribes were going to be there soon. And hunters in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes were going to be there soon. Five million for Joe. 
five million for hunts worked on and hunters in the basement with a silver spoon ukrainian bribes were gonna be there soon directly from the ukrainian oligarch the president of the burisma energy company that had hunter on the board solely to protect them and hunters in the basement with a silver spoon ukrainian bribes were gonna be there soon five million per biden that's what it costs to try to get into the American or North American energy sector. That's what it cost Burisma to get a a prosecutor in Ukraine fired, the one who was prosecuting and investigating Burisma, and to get an entry into the North American market. And hunters in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes were gonna be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'll put aside your 10%, Dad. I'll always have your 10%. Oh, my goodness gracious. It is uh, Friday, the 21st morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2023. It's a parody song. All right? It's not a news report. It's a parody song. But wow, you know the old adage about life imitating art or art imitating life sometimes. It's a little bit of both, but that's where we stand. Welcome. Thanks so much for being with us. It's now 12 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Friday. And, uh, yeah, it's all hitting the fan now. Chuck Grassley finally was able to release what the FBI was suppressing and burying. And they've been burying it for months despite... Subpoena, federal subpoenas coming from Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee subpoenaed that FD-1023 non-classified. You catch that? It is not something that had to be unclassified because it was classified. It was never classified. It was non-classified, and they refused to turn it over. Why? Now we know why. Because all of the rumors about Ukrainian bribes were confirmed as stated and clearly articulated in the 1023 FBI generated document the CEO of Burisma Mikola Zlochevsky laid it all out it cost him 5 million per Biden to get what he wanted this my friends is extraordinary This is the smoking gun. This is the smoking gun that led to uh, uh, Representative Jim Banks from Indiana to tweet yesterday, most corrupt family to ever live in the White House. Impeach, he tweeted, with a copy of the FD-1023, which is very lightly redacted. Impeach, he said. This is the document, by the way, that was only made available for viewing originally to the chairman and the ranking member of the judiciary and then the oversight committees. And we demanded, no, that it be made public. They would only let it be seen. Then they said, okay, we'll let it be seen by all of the members of the committees, but we're still not releasing it to the public. We're still not releasing it to the full Congress. You'll just have to look at it, try to remember what's in it, and then go about your day. They covered this up and suppressed it for so long. And we couldn't figure out why. It was unclassified. Like I said, now we know why. Chuck Grassley, senator, and one of the foremost experts in the whistleblower category, 
And by the way, I spoke with Jim Jordan last uh, yesterday afternoon on the uh, on the Sebastian Gorka show, America First, and I'm going to share that conversation with you coming up a little bit later in this program. But Chuck Grassley, Jim Jordan had a lot of high praise for Chuck Grassley because he's the one who really seized upon this and worked so hard to get it released that eventually an FBI whistleblower came forward to him. Let me let me read you the statement from Chuck Grassley. Yesterday afternoon, if you didn't hear this already, just give it a listen. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa today released an unclassified FBI-generated record describing describing an alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden and a Ukrainian business executive. Grassley acquired the record in FD-1023 via legally protected disclosures by Justice Department whistleblowers. I'll pause there to let that sink in. This was not provided to him as requested and subpoenaed from Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI. This was provided to Chuck Grassley by whistleblowers in the Justice Department who just simply could not stand by and let this continue. Back to the report or the uh, release from Grassley. For the better part of a year, I've been pushing the Justice Department and FBI to produce details on its handling of very significant allegations from a trusted FBI informant, implicating then Vice President Biden in a criminal bribery scheme. While the FBI sought to obfuscate and redact, the American people can now read this document for themselves without the filter of politicians or bureaucrats, thanks to brave and heroic whistleblowers. What did the Justice Department and FBI do with the detailed information in the document? And why have they tried to conceal it from from Congress and the American people for so long? The Justice Department and FBI have failed to come clean. But Chairman Comer and I intend to find out, find out, Grassley said. The Grassley release yesterday continues. The FBI's Biden bribery record tracks closely with the evidence uncovered by the Oversight Committee's Biden family influence peddling investigation. You catch that? There's the Biden FBI's Biden bribery record and the Oversight Committee's Biden family influence peddling investigation. In the FBI's record, the Burisma executive claims that he didn't pay the big guy directly, but that he used several bank accounts to conceal the money. That sounds an awful lot like how the Bidens conduct business, using multiple bank accounts to hide the source and total amount of the money, said Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. At our hearing with the IRS whistleblowers, they testified that they had never heard of this record during the Biden criminal investigation, despite having potentially corroborating evidence. Given the misconduct and politicization of the Justice Department, the American people must be able to read the record for themselves. I thank Senator Grassley for providing much-needed transparency to the American people. We must hold the Department of Justice accountable for seeking to bury this record to protect the Bidens. Grassley first disclosed the FBI's possession of significant and voluminous evidence of potential criminality involving the Biden family last year. He has since worked to unearth the FBI record, 
eventually partnering, partnering with Comer on a subpoena to compel its public disclosure. After delays, the FBI provided a highly redacted version of the document to, and I talked about this, select members of Congress, <clears throat> of the House of Representatives specifically, and it shielded um, from the public and omitted key details, including references to recordings. Following the FBI's failure to fully comply with the congressional subpoena, Grassley received the legally protected disclosure with limited redactions to protect a trusted FBI source, handling agents, department whistleblowers, and identifiers related to other ongoing investigations. Now let me tell you about Pulicilli. If you don't know what Pulicilli is, you will at the end of this. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. According to the FBI's confidential human source, executives for Burisma, a Ukrainian gas company, brought Hunter Biden onto their board to, quote, protect us through his dad. <laughs> protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems, end quote. At the time, Burisma, as I noted, was attempting to do business in the United States, but they were facing a corruption investigation in Ukraine, led by then-Ukrainian prosecutor General Viktor Shokin. Regarding that investigation's impact on its ambitions in North America, the Burisma CEO, Mykola Zlochevsky, reportedly said, Don't worry, Hunter will take care of all of those issues through his dad. Zlochevsky reportedly stated that he had to pay $5 million to Hunter Biden and $5 million to Joe Biden, an arrangement he described as Polichili, which is a Russian crime slang term for being, quote, forced or coerced to pay. In other words, in American slang, it would be shaking down or extorting someone. $5 million for dad. Five million for some came around just the other day. He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid. Can I trade on your name? I said, Sure, okay. Will anyone know? He said, No, no way. And as he walked away, he looked kind of dim and said, I'm gonna be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna be like him. He's He's fixed it. He's worked on it. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes were going to be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'll put aside your 10%, Dad. I'll always have your 10%. Five million for Pops. Five million for Sonny Boy. Zlochevsky also claimed to have many text messages and even recordings that show he was coerced into paying the Bidens to ensure Shokin was fired. Specifically, he claimed to have two recordings with Joe, 15 with Hunter. He retained two documents, believed to be financial records, as well, or as evidence, rather, of the arrangements, but said he didn't send any funds directly to the big guy, which is a term understood, through multiple communications in the Biden laptop to be a reference to Joe Biden. 
references to the big guy surfaced in communications involving other Biden family business arrangements independent of this Burisma arrangement. Zlochevsky claimed it would take investigators 10 years to uncover the illicit payments to the Bidens, according to the document. This is beyond heady stuff. We're talking about the legitimate corruption of the Biden crime family while he was vice president and president. And it has been known by the Department of Justice. And they have done nothing about it. They buried this FBI report. They didn't want any of this to be made available. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, feeling completely bulletproof, did that televised interview in Ukraine in which he talked about getting the uh, 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 prosecutor general fired for looking into Burisma that had employed his son solely to get favors from him as vice president. So to Representative Jim Banks, I send this message. When you say on Twitter, most corrupt family ever to live in White House, impeach, he says. When you, Representative Jim Banks, say those things, I say, what the hell are you waiting for? We have the majority. We won't have it forever. We might not have the majority next year, after November election. You have the majority now. So let's get it done. File the articles of impeachment. Let's start the public investigation of Burisma, Romania, China, every one of the shady deals, the cover-ups from the DOJ, all of it in full view of the American people by way of impeachment hearings, just like they did with Donald Trump, with the exception of the fact that they made their crap up when they did it to Trump, and we have actual evidence and eyewitness testimony here. It needs to happen. All right, it's 925. We're going to take a short time out here. But before we do, let's hold that music for a second, Johnny, because we do want to pledge allegiance to our country while we still have a country. Uh, and I will tell you this, our wonderful republic to which we pledge our allegiance through that flag will not remain if it becomes a banana republic. And this guy is allowed to stay in office unchallenged. It just simply cannot happen that way. Uh, let's rise. Let's uh, face our flag. Put your hand on your heart. Join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you support any of the crap you just heard, or if you deny its uh, its existence, then you don't really have a country to believe in. You, uh, you are exempt from the request to pledge your allegiance to this flag. You may instead take a knee next to that socialist quarterback over there. You'll be more comfortable there. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. My son came around just the other day. He said, I got me a deal where we can both get paid. Can I trade on your name? I said, sure, okay. Will anyone know? He said, no, no way. And as 
he walked away, he looked kind of dim and said, I'm going to be like him, yeah. You know I'm going to be like him. He's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes are going to be there soon. Don't forget you can download the entire song, Hunter's in the Basement, right now at whkradio.com on the homepage. whkradio.com. Just look for Hunter's in the Basement, and we'll be right back. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always write radio with Bob France and the answer. 937, we do continue. And uh, boy, have you ever had just uh, interrupted, broken headphones? Yeah, it just makes everything you say sound in your own ears. Yeah, I'm dealing with that right now. So if I misspeak, I apologize. It's just me being aggravated by that. I can't hear myself very well. Time for new hear- uh, headphones. Um, so, uh, what we experienced yesterday was only, or rather, what I shared with you is only part of what we experienced yesterday. In addition, to the Grassley memo, we got a little bit more from Joseph Ziegler. Who's Joseph Ziegler? Do you remember the story now? I want to, I want you to follow along. This is as important as it gets. Joseph Ziegler was Mister X. Joseph Ziegler was the uh, other IRS IRS whistleblower who remained anonymous because he did not want to come forward and ruin his life. He did not want to be a public figure. He did not want to make enemies of his fellow Democrats. Joseph Ziegler is a Northeast Ohio guy, at least uh, as far as his education. He got his uh, bachelor's degree from OU in Athens, but he got his master's degree at John Carroll. He's a Northeast Ohio guy, Cleveland guy, to an extent. Joseph Ziegler is the guy who came forward to back Gary Shapley's version of of the cover-up from the DOJ of the Biden family, the cover-up by the DOJ in favor of to support, defend, and protect the Biden family. Gary Shapley came forward with that. Joseph Ziegler wasn't going to allow Gary Shapley, who was being attacked savagely as being incompetent, as being partisan, as being you know, an unfair investigator into the IRS, somebody who couldn't be trusted, and so forth. He couldn't sit by any longer, did could Joseph Ziegler? Joseph Ziegler came out, and we told you about this on uh, on uh, Friday's pro- or excuse me Thursday's program because it was Wednesday when Joseph Ziegler came forward at the hearings, the whistleblower hearings, and he said, "Look, just so you know, I'm a gay Democrat. I'm a Democrat member of the LGBTQ community who's married to a man. I am not a partisan." And he tried to say it doesn't make him any more credible or less credible than Gary Shapley. I disagree, while Gary Shapley's credibility, to my mind, has not been in question anyway. Just the fact that Shapley was being called a partisan who was trying to take down the Biden family for political reasons, the fact that Joseph Ziegler showed up to say, why would I want to take down the Biden family? I'm a Democrat. Moreover, I'm a gay Democrat, and we know what the Biden administration has done with the LGBTQ, you know, diversity push. I don't want to take down the Bidens, but my first loyalty is to country. That's what Joseph Ziegler said. So in his testimony, 
He talked about the cover-up. He talked about how they were stopped at every turn from investigating everything having to do with Hunter Biden's illegally gotten funds from overseas and his evasion of taxes um, that were owed to the IRS. These were crimes that Ziegler and Chapley both said should have been, and in fact were, were, were compelled to be charged as felonies. Instead, they let Hunter Biden plead down to misdemeanors. It's a part of the cover-up, okay? Joseph Ziegler also said that we were not allowed to investigate and ask any questions about whether or not Joe Biden, Hunter's father, and business partner, despite everything Joe Biden has said, did he find a gain financially from this relationship and from what Hunter Biden was into? We weren't allowed to ask those questions. So yesterday... Joseph Ziegler sat down with um, Catherine Herridge of CBS, and his his answer here is just it's 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 extraordinary. When asked if Joe Biden benefited from his son's business deals, Joseph Ziegler still wasn't allowed to answer why. Did you uncover evidence that President Biden financially benefited from his son's deals? I don't feel comfortable answering that question. Why is that? Any time we potentially wanted to go down the road of asking questions related to the president, it was, that's going to take too much approvals. We can't ask those questions. And I mean, it created, it created an environment that was very hard to deal with. It's a politically sensitive case. Wouldn't it, it require additional approvals? Yes, I do understand that, that aspect. But it would be like, well, let's think about it. Let's put that on the back burner. Joseph Ziegler, Democrat, pointing out that he was not allowed to pursue this as high as the president. And it wasn't just about, okay, it takes a lot of approvals. Let's go forward and get those approvals. We've got to follow this money wherever it goes. No, let's not get those approvals. Let's put that on the back burner. Joseph Ziegler said that not only was he obstructed from finishing the investigation into Hunter Biden, he wasn't allowed to do any investigating that might have led to Joe Biden. And this 13-year, highly successful IRS investigator, who was was the lead investigator in the Hunter Biden uh, case, who was not allowed to follow the case all the way up to Joe Biden, also said this in that interview. Are you asking the Justice Department to take a pause on the plea agreement? This is up to um, the U.S. attorney who brought the charges, David Weiss, and it's up to the judge to make that decision. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of are we treating everyone the same? Are we treating all taxpayers the same? And in this case? And in this case, no, I don't think so. Slight credit and Kudos, if you will, to Catherine Herridge. This is not generally the type of questioning that that you know is done by members of the mainstream press as it pertains to the Biden. So she's actually asking him questions and letting him answer them about the realities of what he brought forth. And again, remember, this is a guy who had no pleasure in took no pleasure in coming forward, testifying before Congress about the special. A protection given by the Department of Justice and the FBI to the Biden family because he is a Democrat and his life is essentially over as he knew it. He said he has been called a traitor by his fellow Democrats 
He's being his personal life is now exposed as a as a gay. Not that he was necessarily quote unquote hiding his status as a gay man married to another man, but the fact is that was their private business. He wasn't flaunting it. He wasn't marching in pride parades. He wanted to stay a private, hardworking government employee working for the IRS, and now he is a political figure, a public figure, and he's going to be attacked, and so is his husband and all of the rest of the stuff that goes along with that. So it really, really matters. It's important. Now, let me take you to another element of this that Jim Jordan discussed with me uh, yesterday on the Sebastian Gorka show. Let's talk about the laptop I mentioned a few moments ago, that's where you find a lot of the uh, big guy references and some of the uh, email correspondence, about 10% being put aside for the big guy, as Hunter referenced him and many others. That laptop is 100% verifiable. It is 100% true that it was Hunter Biden's, that he did in a cracked-out stupor drop it off at a repair shop, then forget it was there. After 90 days, it became property of the repair shop, and they did what they did with it, turning it over. When they turned it over, when he turned it over, rather, in October of 2020, with weeks before the election, to verify its authenticity and talk about its contents, information that we have seen in surveys, polls since then, that prove that Biden voters, had they known about the contents of that laptop and Joe Biden's criminal, uh, 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 I don't want to say conspiracies, his criminal actions and the relationship with his son, it would have changed their vote. It would have changed enough of their votes in enough of the key states to swing the presidency to Donald Trump. This is reality. This isn't being made up. Well, come to find out, everybody knew that the laptop was legitimate from the start, including Twitter, which chose to ban and censor and deactivate the account of the one media uh, entity that was willing to come forth with the information, the New York Post. We all remember when the New York Post dropped the bombshell report exposing how Joe Biden lied about his son's foreign business dealings, which he still lies about to this very day. Twitter quickly jumped into action and banned that story from being shared on the platform in any way, claimed that the laptop was hacked. But now we know that the FBI... The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, told Twitter, no, the laptop is real, it's legitimate. In a phone call that very same day that they smashed the New York Post account. Here's more from the New York Post. A senior FBI official told Twitter that Hunter Biden's laptop was legitimate. On the same day that the Post published the first in its bombshell reporting series on documents linking Biden to his son's foreign business deals, according to stunning new deposition testimony released Thursday by the Judiciary Committee. So we found this out yesterday, too. That confirmation was not shared with voters ahead of the 2020 election as dozens of former intelligence officers And then presidential candidate Joe Biden falsely suggested suggested that the incriminating documents found on the laptop were Russian disinformation. Somebody from Twitter essentially asked whether the laptop was real, and one of the FBI folks who was on the call did confirm that, yes, it was, before another participant jumped in and said, no further comment. 
Laura Demlo, section chief of the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force, recalled this in a closed-door deposition Monday, according to a release from the judiciary. The FBI's non-public verification of of the laptop occurred on October 14th, 2020, hours after the Post published its story detailing how an email showed Biden met well, while vice president with an executive at the Ukrainian gas company Burisma, which is what I just told you about in the Grassley memo, contradicting his claims that he never discussed foreign business details uh, or dealings with his relatives. Laura Demlo's deposition was released during a hearing on social media censorship featuring journalist Emma Jo Morris, who authored the initial laptop stories, while a deputy politics editor at the Washington, or the New York Post. Among them was the revelation that Joe Biden, referred to as the big guy, was penciled in for a 10% cut of the proceeds from Hunter and brother James Biden's partnership with the Chinese government-linked CEFC, China Energy. What was that again? And Hunter's in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes were going to be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'll put aside your 10%, and I'll always have your 10%. Percent of the proceeds. Twitter banned distribution of the Post's initial article for two days for potentially violating its hacked materials policy, despite no evidence that the material was hacked and transparency in the post reporting about how the laptop was acquired from that Delaware repairman after it was abandoned by the cracked-out Hunter Biden. And then the most important part of the story, of course, is that the FBI told Twitter this was real, this was legitimate, and Twitter chose to ban it anyway. Why? Because the Twitter executives, left-wingers all, would do anything to protect Joe Biden's candidacy to make sure that Orange Man Bad did not get four more years. It was posted also that the FBI had actually validated the laptop long before this and had been told of Joe Biden's crimes by Gal Luft in 2019 before Joe started even running his campaign. So everybody knew it was legit. Everybody moved to censor it anyway, from the FBI to social media to garbage media. And now we have a criminal sitting in the White House. That's the reality of the situation. So I heard, like I said, I got a lot of this information yesterday from Jim Jordan firsthand when I did America First for Sebastian Gorka. I'm going to play some of that for you. And I want you to be a part of the show, too. 216-901-0945. I've got one guest, not until 11 o'clock today. And that's Michael Ganadakis of Ohio Right to Life. We're going to talk to him about Issue 1 and how important that is to pass on August 8th. So we've got a lot of time. Dial now, 216-901-0945, And remember, Ukrainian bribes are going to be there soon. Believe it. And if you want uh, that full song on your phone, download it right now, whkradio.com on the homepage. whkradio.com on the homepage. Right back. Okay, 9.56 on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you uh, being with us this morning. After the top of the hour, we're going to uh, 
have the uh, uh, conversation I had with Jim Jordan yesterday after the censorship hearings, after the whistleblower hearings. Uh, we're going to talk to him about what all of this means. And then, of course, added to the Grassley uh, release of the uh, 1023, the, uh, what the left has been trying to dismiss as being, uh, yeah, it's not important. Why does anybody need to see that? Well, I don't know. It's just a simple, small matter of the... Uh, president of the united states being on the take the president of the united states literally uh, being in a bribery scheme with the uh, ukrainian executives if you're looking for more evidence by the way that what the burisma president says in that fd23 that was uh, compiled by the fbi is true how about we take it right from the uh, right 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 from the mouth of the horse himself what do you think can we do that why can't we hear him now Hold on a second here. I want you to hear from the horse himself, and the horse, of course, being Joseph R. Biden. Let's get this going here. Yeah, the audio won't play. I don't know exactly why. I'm sorry about that. Let me give it one more shot. Yeah, it seems to be a busted link. Uh, This is what I was trying to give you is uh, Joe Biden, uh, uh, in his uh, braggadocious manner, talking about how uh, he withheld $1 billion of American aid to Ukraine until the investor, the uh, investigator general of, of Ukraine who was looking into Burisma, Viktor Shokin, was fired. That's all he wanted was to get him fired. Why? Because he was investigating a company that now we know Joe Biden was heavily invested in by way of his son. That's the reality of this. His son was on the board and making a ton of money in actual salary. They were getting bribe money. And it begs this question now. This is a legitimate question. I don't know the answer, but I want I want the question asked. Does this have anything to do with the reason we have spent hundreds of billions of our tax dollars on Ukraine's war effort? Now, I'm not saying it doesn't, or that it does, rather. But I can't say definitively that it doesn't. And also, quite frankly, and, and I don't want anybody saying, oh, you don't support Ukraine. Of course I don't support Vladimir Putin. Of course they have no right and should not be in, in invading other countries. But two things. Number one, Ukraine is not in NATO. We are not obligated to send them hundreds of billions of dollars. Can we give them some support? Yes. Should it be support that's on par with what other nations are giving them? Yes. Why are we going so far over the top? Is it because Joe Biden's relationship with the Ukrainian board, the energy board, and the energy president, and Joe Biden's relationship with the president of Ukraine is all tied to how much dirt they have on the Biden family. I want you to ponder that. Zelensky is shaking down Joe Biden the same way that Joe Biden shook down the uh, the, the Burisma executives. This is so deep and it's so thick and it's so important for us to know. We're going to talk more about it after the top of the hour. Stay here on Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good Friday morning to you, 21st morning, seventh month, year of our Lord, 2023. 
And still piecing together the uh, bombshells yesterday, the uh, FD-1023 form being released that the left says, is ah, it's a nothing burger. It's an everything burger. It shows everything about the Ukrainian bribery that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were alleged to have been involved in with the direct quotes of the bribe, uh, the bribe provider. Ukrainian energy president, uh, Burisma energy, I should say, uh, the president. Um, this is an everything burger. No matter what they want to say, Ukrainian bribes, indeed, we're going to be there soon. How many times do we have to tell you that? We told you that in, uh, we told you that in, uh, in lyrical form as well, didn't we? Oops. Sorry about that. Ukrainian bribes are going to be there soon. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Don't forget that song, Hunters in the Basement, is available at whkradio.com. I want you to hear now a little bit of Byron Donalds, who was part of the uh, committee that heard uh, the evidence about this from the whistleblowers. We, we mentioned a little bit of this quote. I'll, I'll read it again through our... Um uh, for our audience here, it costs five million to pay one, five million to pay another. They hired Hunter Biden to protect us uh, through his dad from all kinds or problems. I think that should read of problems. Uh, Slochevsky replied something to the effect of, don't worry, Hunter will take care of all those issues through his dad. Look, the FBI's got a real problem with this going public. Do you? No, I don't, because the FBI should have been looking into this long ago. And what we have now seen, if you go through the Durham report, what Mr. Ziegler and Mr. Shapley testified to in the Oversight Committee yesterday and in front of Ways and Means a few weeks ago, the fact that the Oversight Committee investigation into the money flow from China, from Ukraine, from Romania, and there are other countries that are coming forward, our House investigation eerily matches what the IRS International Tax Fraud Department was investigating. And all of this is matching up. And the last thing that is also matching up is that you have political holdovers and political appointees at the Department of Justice who were obstructing justice so that this matter was never brought to the light of day. Last thing, you also have uh, our current Secretary of State, who led this letter of 51 people in our intelligence community who said that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation, and we now know that is a lie. So I think that the FBI has nothing to stand on as far as I'm concerned. This form should have been released to the public long ago. 100% agree. That's what I was talking about with Congressman Jim Jordan yesterday as I hosted uh, America First with Sebastian Gorka. Listen. friends yes thank you dr g we do continue live at 20 minutes past the hour uh live in northeast ohio that is uh where the home base is the relieffactor.com studios if you will are am 1420 the answer listen live at whkradio.com uh each and every monday on my local broadcast i am privileged to talk to the chairman of the judiciary committee and the chairman of the uh house uh, subcommittee on weaponization of government congressman jim jordan who up until they read you the lines this past uh, uh november was my congressman uh, uh, but uh, he still represents Northeast Ohio. Uh, Congressman Jordan, thank you so very much for the time you today. Bet. You're a very busy man. We appreciate you coming on America First. Always, always good to be on with you, Bob. Take care. 
Thank you, sir. So um, we're gonna we're gonna try to go in order here. We'll start just uh, yes with yesterday's whistleblowers. Joseph mm-hmm. Ziegler. No one yeah. saw him coming. We didn't know who yeah. Mister X was. By the way, another homeboy. He got his uh, education yeah. at Ohio University and John Carroll. Okay. So yeah. more Northeast Ohio roots there. But but boy, what uh, what a witness. You know, Gary Shapley was amazing, but so was Joseph Ziegler. They, they couldn't lay a glove on them, Congressman Jordan. So they kept changing the story and talking about Trump instead, didn't they? That's all. That's all the Democrats do. But you're you're exactly right. These guys were as credible as they come. Their story, as I said yesterday in the hearing, has not changed. Their testimony has been consistent. It's been the same throughout. And yet, the Department of Justice has now changed their story three different times. So uh, I think these guys, and everyone knows, these were the go-to guys. These were the experts when it came to international tax cases, tax fraud cases, tax evasion cases. This was the team, both over 10 years, a decade of experience. Each of them have outstanding performance reviews. These guys went all over the world to figure this stuff out. And up until that October 7th meeting of, of 2022, the investigators and the prosecutors were all in agreement on what they were going to do, what charges were going to be filed, and then something happened. And I think what happened is that David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, was at Maine Justice talking with the folks there in uh, the attorney general's office. We don't know who. And suddenly things change. And uh, that's what I think came out loud and clear yesterday. Well, you, you, you talked about this. There was a he said, he said about Gary Shapley and what David Weiss said. But then you changed it because you're right. There were other people there in corroborating witnesses. Now it's they said, he said. And, and again, their credibility cannot be attacked. Why would Joseph Ziegler step forward and do what he did? He's a Democrat, uh, a, a loyal one. He just wanted to be, uh, you know, a, a quiet, keep your head down, do your job, FBI investigator. He didn't want to be a public figure. Why would he step forward alienating all of his Democrat friends and putting his career on the line unless he saw something that absolutely had to be said that just screams right. credibility no exactly because he was wanting to give the truth but deep down the reason he did it is because he believes in this fundamental ideal about this great country that it is supposed to be it is supposed to operate as equal treatment under the law and he saw that it wasn't that's why he stepped forward because he knows what this country is supposed to offer its citizens and that is not happening now and anyone with common sense can see that and so could joseph ziegler so could Gary Shapley, and that's why they've stepped forward to give us the truth. So all we got yesterday was a lot of facts from the witnesses. They could not touch them from the Democrat side, so they changed the story to Trump. The question becomes, yeah. where do you go now, and how do you follow up? Let's bring up 1023. The FD 1023 that your committee has uh, subpoenaed, uh, it has been stonewalled. They refused to turn it over. Chris Ray refused to do it. Despite it being an unclassified document, it took a whistleblower to get that into the hands of Senator Grassley, who finally released it today. So add yeah. yesterday to today congressman and tell me where we go from here well i i think first of all god bless senator grassley and and, and by the way senator yeah. grassley is the member the the legislator on capitol hill with his long and distinguished career who has been the champion who's helped reform and, and rewrite the law on whistleblowers so he understands how this is supposed to work he finally said look i'm going to get this document public make it public as a united states senator and all they've redacted out it's largely unredacted we have we have the, most of the document, just the confidential human source's name. So the key thing is, and Mr. Comer, Chairman Comer, has been trying to do this, is he wants to get in Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner. He wants him under oath, uh, in for a deposition. They've been trying to make that happen. Um, we'll have to see. And then from the judiciary perspective, what we're going to do, David Weiss has agreed to come in, and, and, and he wants to come in and talk to us, is what Justice has said. But we want to talk to... We think we want to talk to all those people before we actually bring in David Weiss. We want to talk to 
the U.S. attorneys, the FBI agents, everyone involved, some of those people who were in that October 7th meeting that Mr. Shapley talked about, his red line meeting, that October 7th, 2022 meeting, where David Weiss told him he, was, he, couldn't, he wasn't in charge of making the decisions on who gets charged and what gets charged, and that he asked for a special counsel but, but was denied that. Uh, we want to know, we want to talk to some of the other people in that meeting, who, and none of them refuted what Gary Shapley has said, and, and, and uh, his boss actually confirmed it in the reply email to Mr. Shapley. You know, Congressman Jim Jordan, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, who I'd like to see you talk with, and I don't know how this works when you're talking about foreign oligarchs, I'd like you to talk to Mikola Zlochevsky. Uh, He's the one who said in this 1023, uh, quote, we want Hunter on the board to, quote, protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems. Don't worry, Hunter will take care of all of of those issues through his dad, and that they paid $5 million to Hunter and another 5 to Joe Biden. This is all in that FBI document that was buried and not acted upon. Can you bring some Somebody like that in? Well, it's, it's you could. It's a little harder to get someone who's you know not an American, uh, right. you know, a real jurisdiction over them. Uh, uh, but you you could, and maybe maybe they want to come testify. Um, I think what you continue to do is, is lay out the facts, continue to push. I know Judiciary Committee. I think we've done now close to sixty different. De- now it's not just all on this issue. We're doing on the weaponization of government, the censorship issue, and everything else. But I think we've done now almost 60 different depositions or transcribed interviews throughout this Congress. So you continue to just forge ahead with the investigation, go to the witnesses. Right now on this issue, from our perspective in judiciary, we want to talk to the people who were involved in the Hunter Biden investigation. Yeah, and that's obviously crucial and, and key. Let's go to the uh, weaponization subcommittee today and the censorship hearing. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was the star witness. Mm-hmm. The Democrats did not want him there. Why were they so desperate to silence him? You know, it's, I thought Thomas Massey, our colleague, asked a great question. He said, "What happened? What, what's happened to your party? The Democrat Party used to be the party that embraced the First Amendment. In fact, our good friend there, Dennis Kucinich, Northeast Ohio guy as well, was there today. He's chairing Robert F. Kennedy's campaign. Dennis and I are friends. You know, what happened to the Dennis Kucinich's, Robert F. Kennedy's of, of, the, of the Democrat Party who said, let's have a First Amendment debate. Let's embrace the First Amendment like we're supposed to under our system. Um, I think that was a, a key message. But the Democrats just, they attacked him time and time again. And look, I've said I disagree with what he said, but I believe in the First Amendment. They were trying; they actually tried to kick him out of the committee. Think about this: we were yeah. having a hearing on censorship, and the Democrats made a motion to go to executive session and kick kick him out of the committee, not not to let him testify. Oh my goodness! And this is, of course, after what they did. He was the lead guy on the quote disinformation dozen that the Biden administration was talking about, and I think he was the first guy they tried to censor. On January 23rd, 2021, 37 hours into the Biden administration, they send out an email to Twitter, take down this tweet ASAP, and it was a tweet from Robert F. Kennedy. And there was nothing in the tweet that was false. But that's what they're trying to do. And here's the irony, trying to do it to their to their presidential, uh, a Democrat presidential primary opponent. You know, think about this administration. They're trying to censor their primary opponent, and they're trying to put their general election opponent in jail. That... You, that that doesn't happen in America. That happens in third world countries, for goodness sake. Yeah, that is exactly right. We're talking with the chairman of the Judiciary Committee and the Weaponization Subcommittee, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. We're just about out of time here. Do you have a few more minutes on the other side, or are you done? Sure. Sure. We'd, awesome. Thank you. I know you're very, very busy. It's been a long day, a couple of days for you. Thank you for holding on. We'll continue with the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, on America First, right after this. I'm Seb Gorka. Now let's get back to the show with Bob France. 
Yeah, we do that. Uh, continuing here live in the ReliefFactor.com studios of uh, AM 1420, The Answer in Cleveland, Ohio. Northeastern Ohio Congressman and the Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and the Weaponization Subcommittee, Jim Jordan, continues with, with us for just a few more minutes. Congressman, one of the uh, moments today in the censorship hearings in uh, in the the uh, censor- in the uh, Weaponization Committee, Emma Jo Morris mm-hmm. literally could not read the details about the laptop that was censored and buried <laughs> just weeks before the election in 2020. With Without laughing, she, I mean, first we screamed, but then she laughed. So it just kind of yeah. uh, give us give us your 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 takeaway after that uh, that part of the coverage today with respect to the hearing uh, well, and the well, fact that he, the laptop was buried uh, under a under a lie about Russian disinformation. Yeah, and, and God bless uh, Emma Morris. She, she was the person who broke the story with the New York Post, uh, the, the story that got that got suppressed, that got uh, visibility filtered that wasn't allowed to be shared. I mean, everything. They kept it from the American people, as we all know. And when she's reading and recapping, because, you know, now, of course, the Washington Post, New York Times, even all the legacy media have said it, it, it was, it was, it was true. But the big, and she was laughing when she was walking through this because it's just so absurd what happened and so wrong. But the big news was we deposed Laura Demlo, who runs the Foreign Influence Task Force now at the FBI. And the day that story broke, this, I think this is so critical. The day that story broke, October 14th, 2020, that very day, Twitter had a meeting set up with, with the FBI and, and, and the government and specifically the Foreign Influence Task Force. And that same day later, a separate meeting with Facebook met with the FBI. And in the first meeting, someone asked, because that story breaks, it's big news. When it first breaks, someone asked from Twitter, they asked the FBI, is the laptop real? And someone from the FBI said, yes, it is. And then someone quickly jumped in, a lawyer from the FBI, and says, uh, no further comment. And then later in the day, Facebook asked the same question, and Ms. Demlo herself told Facebook, no comment. The FBI knew it was real and still wouldn't comment on it. Let the media believe, let the, the big tech companies believe that it was a Russian information operation when they knew that it wasn't, and thereby keeping that information from the American people. And what makes that so important is we're talking about the active FBI at that point in time, separate from the 51 former intelligence officers that signed that letter declaring this to be Russian disinformation. So we've had people asking about that. Where, you know, is there again any accountability whatsoever? Did those 51 former intelligence officers lie together knowingly or were they duped uh, in this? "Ah, Yeah, we're going to sign on to something we're not really aware of. I think they wanted to believe it. They wanted to believe the story that Russia was involved. They've been so focused on, 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 on Russia and their involvement. Um, I think they wanted to believe it. They weren't in the government, so they weren't getting real-time information. They, they, they didn't know whether the laptop was, was real or not, I would, I would argue, at that time. And there were private citizens saying it. But the fact that, that, that they put this together knowing it was going to be used the way it was, and they did it for that very purpose because we have the email from, from Blinken, the contact from Blinken, Mike Morrell's testimony, where Blinken contacted, Blinken working with the Biden campaign at the time, contacted Mike Morrell and, and asked him to, to kind of look into this. He puts it all together. Mike Morrell, I believe, wanted to be in the Biden administration as CIA director. So he was willing to do it, and they did it for the express purpose of helping Biden in the upcoming debate, and that's exactly how it played out. And it tied into this narrative that the FBI let foster, and actually I would argue promoted in a, in a, in a not-so-subtle way throughout that year prior to the, the, the story ever coming out. So all part of this effort, I think, to keep valuable information from the American people. And it's why we're so focused on stopping this censorship that now exists, unfortunately, in, uh, in our country. 
It's exactly right. And last thing for you, sir, um, we haven't talked since uh, President Trump made the announcement, essentially, that he is a target in this investigation and is expecting an indictment over the January 6th subcommittee. That timing was not, or not subcommittee, but the select committee, that timing was not coincidental. That wasn't an accident that you had these uh, hearings with the whistleblowers yesterday scheduled for weeks. Suddenly, Jack Smith on Sunday, three days before, says, we're coming for the orange man. And just to take all of the attention away, your thoughts on what they're doing to President Trump? Well, it's just it's just more of the same, and it's as wrong as as wrong could be. Um, but you know, go figure. I mean, th- this is truly unprecedented. Uh, one of them would be unprecedented, but now there's the crazy civil suit that he's in in New York. There's Alvin Bragg's uh, criminal indictment in in New York. There's Jack Smith's earlier indictment. There's the coming one, and then the, then there's going to be a fourth criminal indictment from Fonnie Willis in in the state of Georgia. So four criminal indictments plus the civil suit. It's it's craziness, but unfortunately that's. That's where we're at today, and it's 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 truly frightening because it could be any of us, and it's it's scary when the full force of the government comes after you, uh, and they're doing that to President Trump. And, I, and the thing he always says, Bob, is they're coming after him because he's fighting for us, and I truly believe that. And more specifically, it's they're coming after him from a president who is now facing bribery allegations from a foreign yeah. oligarch, for crying out loud, yeah. credibly with an FD-1023 form as evidence. So, yeah. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much for all the great you work bet. you're doing on all of the committees. We appreciate you very much. We'll talk to you again. Thank you, sir. All right, Bob. Take care, brother. Right. Uh, so that was uh, from yesterday. That was uh, my conversation with Jim Jordan on America First yesterday. Um, you are welcome and encouraged to respond to all of this today. The Grassley memo, or not the memo, the Form 1023 that was finally revealed thanks to whistleblowers in the Department of Justice who got that into the hands of Grassley. Grassley puts it into the hands of the uh, Ways uh, the Ways and Means Committee. Ways and Means passes it to James Comer, chair of the Oversight Committee, and uh, that's where it will go. The question then becomes, at what point do we add all of these little pieces up and connect all of these dots together and say, we are filing official articles of impeachment for the on-the-take president of the United Ukrainian States. Ukrainian bribes are going to be there soon. Even though most of this is from when he was vice president, this is the man who was then elected president or chosen president, if you will, because of the burying of the laptop that would have changed everything had that cover-up not happened. All of this just demands investigation and impeachment. I welcome your thoughts. We'll take a break here for the bottom of the hour. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Join us. We're guest-free until 11 o'clock. A little bit after, we're going to talk to Michael Ganadakis about issue one. So let's get your calls in now, right here on Always Right Radio. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France. On the answer. Okay, ten thirty-seven. Powering our way through this uh, Friday morning. This is—I uh, was just counting it out. This is now forty and a half hours that I have been on the radio this week, live forty and a half hours, and another three and a half—no, uh, four and a half to go because we're going to take you through the Gorka show this afternoon. So I am powering through it, and if I can get through it, you can get through it too by joining me at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Uh, I welcome you to the program. I want to I want to play this for you because obviously we we have it and we've known about it for some time now, but it's now more perfectly appropriate to uh, to hear it again because you hear it through uh, you know a different point of view now that we have evidence from the foreign 
executive, the Burisma executive, who said to the FBI, and this is in the FBI 1023 form that was released yesterday, that they employed Hunter Biden, whom they really regarded to be kind of an idiot, solely so that he could help um, smooth things or rather carry things smoothly through the vice president, Joe Biden. They described Hunter Biden as being somebody who could help solve problems because of his dad or through his dad. And one of those problems was the pre- the uh, prosecutor general in Ukraine that was investigating Burisma, which was Hunter Biden's you know partner in all of this. Um, that that inspector general, or excuse me, prosecutor general was 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 trying to shut them down, and that would have stopped their attempts because of the corruption involved to come to the United States and do business in the United States in the energy sector, and so that prosecutor general had to go in order for them to be able to continue their relationship and to expand their operation into North America. They needed Joe Biden. Joe Biden was about the only one who could get that inspector, or excuse me, I keep saying inspector general, prosecutor general, to go. How did he do it? He bragged about this, did Joe Biden, in 2019. I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from... Uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference said no nah. I said I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said you have no authority you're not the president the president said I said call him. <laughs> I said I'm telling you you're not getting the billion dollars. I said you're not getting the billion I'm going to be leaving here and I think it was what six hours I looked I said I'm leaving in six hours if the prosecutor's not fired you're not getting the money. Oh son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired and they put in place someone who was solid you know when we first heard that audio in the last couple of years um it was like wow the brazenness of it all but you know there was still no evidence and now you marry that to evidence and what do we have i mean we we have what representative banks called the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America the most corrupt first family in the history of the United States of America cuz this goes of course to his son to his brother Jim Biden and about uh, another three or four Bidens that were listed as having benefited to the tune of millions from money from these foreign dealings that Joe Biden has sworn up and down that he knows nothing about his son's foreign business arrangements or, you know, uh, um, affairs. Now we know the reality of it. And I want to share something else with you. Now that we hear him, that's what he was bragging about, getting choking fired. That was at the behest of, of uh, uh, the Burisma CEO, Mikola Zlachevsky. And Zlachevsky then had to stroke a $5 million check to each Biden in order to get that done. Now I want to share this with you real briefly and then to your calls. There's a Harvard Law Professor Emeritus not named um, Alan Dershowitz. He's the most famous Harvard Law Professor and now Professor Emeritus. But there's another one. 
who is apparently even far, far, far more left than even Alan Dershowitz. And I want you to hear this part of the story because of the implications that it brings with it. That if, if this kind of thing, if, if the left had their way, this is how things would go. We have a corrupt, on-the-take president, according to everything that we have learned. And the American left wants him to be given dictatorial or emperor type of powers. Mark Tushnet is the William Nelson Cromwell Professor of Law Emeritus, as mentioned, at Harvard. He's a former president of the Association of American Law Schools. He's the author of many books that America's law students use while in college today. And he has joined forces with a political science professor from San Francisco State University to write an open letter to Joe Biden demanding or declaring or or requesting or whatever that President Biden begin openly ignoring the Supreme Court. We urge President Biden to restrain MAGA justices immediately by announcing that if and when they issue rulings that are based on gravely mistaken interpretations of the Constitution that undermine our most fundamental commitments, the administration will be guided by its own constitutional interpretations. So I hope you I hope that was clear. A lawyer and a law professor who writes the books that American law students read and study and are tested on wants to destroy the Constitution and the three um, separate co-equal branches of government upon which this republic was founded. He wants the executive branch to take out the judicial branch, to ignore it, to substitute its own judgment for the judgment of the court. The hell with them. Charles W. Cook wrote about this in National Review and said, quote, I contended recently that the left has no comprehensible judicial philosophy. This is a good example of that problem. There is no principle on display here. There is no use pretending otherwise. By mistaken interpretations, Tushnet means decisions that he personally dislikes. By fundamental commitment, he means political outcomes that he personally desires. By MAGA justices, he means members of the court whom he personally wishes had not been nominated and confirmed. He provides no rubrics, frameworks, standards, canons, doctrines, or objective arguments of any sort in the course of this proposition. Why not? Because he doesn't have any. But as this law professor emeritus who writes books that America's young lawyers read today in law school, he went on to say, quote, we do not believe that President Biden should simply ignore every MAGA ruling. And by the way, I love that. The idea that the court is making MAGA rulings and not what the court has always done. Nine members all deciding based on their own experience, knowledge of the law, and consciences which way to vote on certain things. They're calling these, uh, these court decisions MAGA rulings. The president should act only when MAGA justices issue high-stakes rulings, you know, things like affirmative action, Dobbs, which is Roe versus Wade, uh, free speech, First Amendment cases, 
The president should act when MAGA justices issue high-stakes rulings that are based on gravely mistaken constitutional interpretations and when presidential action predicated on his administration's constitutional interpretations would substantially mitigate the damage posed by the ruling in question. This is a friendlier way of saying that Tushnet would like to turn the president into an emperor, at least for any periods in which that president hails from the Democrat Party. If Tushnet were arguing for the abolition of the Supreme Court, that would be one thing. But he's not. He's asserting that this particular executive branch ought to ignore the judiciary when it sees fit, while that same judiciary retains its powers in other circumstances. This isn't analysis or scholarship or reform. It's thuggery. Tushnet's approach to the court is entirely circumstantial. At Harvard, he confirmed that if he were put onto the bench, he would use his power to decide what decision in a case was most likely to advance the cause of socialism. Back in 2016, uh, rather, when he believed that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election, he wrote a post uh, arguing that, quote, for liberals, the question now is how to deal with the losers in the culture wars, submitting that liberals should be compiling lists of cases to be overruled at the first opportunity on the grounds that they were wrong the day they were decided, including, uh, concluding that, quote, or excuse me, in concluding that, once his favorite judges form a majority on the court, quote, a rather large body of doctrine will have to be built from the ground up, end quote. Recently, he has worked diligently over the past five years to advocate Supreme Court expansion. In other words, he is a guy who does not want the Founding Fathers' vision for this country to continue. He wants to pack the court and change it from a nine-member court to perhaps an 11, perhaps a 13, perhaps a 15-member court, however many it takes, to a point when a Democrat becomes president, as many justices as necessary to create a majority. In other words, shred the Constitution bit by bit by bit. And the worst part about this, and the reason I'm bringing it up today, is because the president that he would give emperor powers too, dictatorial powers too, totalitarian powers too, is a guy who about to be and should be impeached for taking bribes from foreign energy executives. Is it lost on anybody listening to me right now that this is why the founders were so brilliant because they were prescient enough to know that we can never give that much power to a single executive, because what if that executive is corrupt? What if that executive, the president, is on the take? What if he can be bought? What if decisions and policy can be decided on bribes and personal enrichment? That's why they created the system in which they did, so that every branch would be a check and a balance against each of the other two branches. That's why a president cannot just overrule the Supreme Court. That's why the, the legislature cannot just enforce laws, pass and enforce laws that the Supreme Court deems to be unconstitutional. That's why executive orders are very limited in scope. And yet the left wants us to give dictatorial powers to that executive when they know he's on the take. 
or at least that is what um, we are finding out. This is what has become pretty doggone self-evident over the course of the last 24, 48, 72 hours as we learn more and more and more about what Joe Biden and what Hunter Biden were both into as it pertains to Burisma and the Ukrainian oligarchs. And hundreds in the basement with a silver spoon. Ukrainian bribes were going to be there soon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. I'll put aside your 10 percent, Dad. I'll always have your 10 percent. That's what we know right now. At least by way of the FD-1023. Um, Jack Boyle is in Chagrin Falls on AM 1420, The Answer. Jack, thanks for waiting. You're on the air, my friend. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. I really... You know, enjoy your coverage of this. It's uh, crucial that people, uh, you know, people know about it. That uh, you know, you're not going to hear it anywhere else, pretty much. But uh, this is, so, thank you for for you know, letting us uh, hear this in detail. But well, people are going to uh, have to not only know about it; they're going to have to act on it. They're going to have to rise up here because guess what, Jack? The the Department of Justice, as it's currently constructed, with the top cop in the land, Attorney General Merrick Garland, leading the cover-up of these crimes and, and all of the Biden family's uh, shady foreign dealings, we're never going to get justice for it unless the people rise up. The people are going to have to rise up. They're going to have to talk to every member of Congress. When they come to their districts, they're going to have to bombard them. They're going to dem- have to demand impeachment, first of the Attorney General, quite frankly, and then secondly, because of what we are finding out right now as representatives. Representative Jim Banks said, "Then impeachment of the President of the United States. This this cannot allow this be allowed to continue the way it is." I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think one thing I think you've uh, spoken about here, uh, you know, over the recent past, and a lot of us have, is that we're realizing that we kind of need to, in some cases, turn our focus a little more locally. And uh, you know, we all uh, are in the midst of this uh, issue one campaign. And I just wanted to mention I. I've been working with Scott and Kathy Fischel. I know Scott's been uh, on your program a couple of times, I believe, to talk about the event we're having on Monday night in Eastlake, yes. the Pastors, Priests, and People Summit. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I'm really excited about it. The uh, the headliner is our treasurer of state, Robert Sprague. And uh, I have I've met him a while ago. I've only really gotten to know him kind of in this campaign, but... Uh, he is such an inspiring guy. You know, sometimes from our leaders in Columbus, you know, they kind of, you know, make uh, quiet statements or kind of hide a little bit behind things or whatever. And uh, and uh, Sprague has just been out there completely unambiguous about uh, about issue one, frankly, and about the the uh, constitutional amendment we're probably going to face here in November. Uh, you know, he couldn't be more. Uh, explicit and outspoken and, and frankly, inspiring. And so, uh, you know, I think, I don't know that he's been in this part of the state quite as much. You know, it's an opportunity, again, to rally in support of Issue 1, but also to, you know, be, maybe hear from a, a voice, uh, you know, that we have in Columbus that uh, that really fits our values and our, um, you know, our uh, just desires for, you know, our statewide leadership. And so... Uh, Again, it's. I know you've talked about it before. It's Monday night at uh, uh, Croatian Lodge at seven o'clock. Um, come and get some coffee and strudel, and uh, hear about issue one, and in particular, hear hear from uh, Treasurer Sprague, who's again a, a, an inspiring guy, really a, a wonderful man. 
Yeah, I have not had the pleasure of hearing him speak or even talking with him. I think he's the only statewide elected official I have not spoken with uh, in the last couple of years. And so I'm really, really glad that he's coming to town or coming to this area anyway, to Eastlake. Uh, so it's uh, Monday. Croatian Lodge, 34900 Lakeshore Boulevard in Eastlake, 7 o'clock. It's uh, the Pastor, Priest, and People Summit. How can we get Issue 1 passed, and how can we protect against radical amendments to the Constitution like the one that we are facing potentially in November? So, uh, Jack, thanks for calling and uh, uh, pushing it and promoting it. We'll continue to do the same thing until uh, Monday night at 7 o'clock, and hopefully we'll have a great turnout and get some great momentum going into August 8th. Yes, indeed. Greatly appreciated, Bob, as always. My pleasure. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you. Uh, Let's see, 1054. Yeah, we can take Lisa now. Lisa Woods in Medina, Medina County Friends and Neighbors President. Hi, Lisa. Oh, good morning. You know, Bob, your listeners and WHK listeners are the most and best informed voters in Ohio, and it's very exciting to hear you on nationally syndicated radio. You really do us proud. Thank you. Well, that's my um, pleasure. Thank you. And I pray that this um, Hunter Biden information is getting out beyond us, the informed voters, and to the sheeple, and may the veil of this long deception be lifted. I, I really... Uh, um, Appreciate that conversation, too, today. Um, I have two other quick, important topics, and that is U.S. Senate candidates and local state board elections. Um, okay. Tomorrow, McVann has a meeting with uh, one of our candidates, and McVann will have all U.S. candidates speak at our meetings, and it's really important to see them all. It could be a close race, and um, we all need to know them all. And tomorrow we have um, Matt Dolan, who's running for U.S. Senate, and also Representative Gary Click will take the other half of the show and uh, talk about the SAFE Act and other important issues. So we'll have a, a senator and state rep tomorrow at the Thirsty Cowboy. And another really important, and the timing is so important right now, we need school board candidates to step up in so many districts. The, the deadline's coming up. There's still time. My district is Buckeye Local Schools, and we have our two solid conservatives here here in Buckeye, but most others do not. There are seats to be challenged and filled. And uh, I just beg um, the f- folks out there, find out if, if the seats are being challenged. And if not, consider yourself to run or someone you know that would be likely to run and get them to the Board of Elections and pull petitions and get those signatures. Lisa, I could not agree with you more. It's crucial. Um, can you tie that request to what's happening on, on uh, tomorrow morning at McFan? I know you have Dolan. I know you have Gary Click. I like one, not so much the other. But uh, not that they're competing with, any, with each other for anything, but just right, the point. Right. But uh, will there be a part of tomorrow morning's program dedicated to the school board races, or you just want to invite people to come out and maybe talk to some people about how to get it done, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Um we we have people at McMahon that are are um, on uh, committees that are working on this. Bruce Christopher uh, is handling Medina County. He knows what seats need to be filled. He will be there. We'll have sign up uh, sheets and just contacts myself or Bruce. And if, if uh, for those that can't make the meetings, my email is Lisa Woods at McFan.org. I think remember the org part. People want to do something else. 
But Lisa Woods at org. if they're remotely interested, and we want to support you. There's there's many different groups that are doing different things, whether it be fundraising, uh, you know, knocking on doors, um, having your material printed cheaply, maybe even free. Um, Contact us. We have the uh, the support that that you'll need to run. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad people are stepping up and trying to drive people. And I would I would tell people too, even if you don't live in Medina County, uh, wherever it is that your district is, if there is a vacancy or if there is a seat that's able to be challenged, consider doing it and just meet with people at Medina County friends and neighbor, neighbors just to talk strategy. You don't have to necessarily share districts or even the same counties uh, to to be able to talk with other like minded individuals about how because it's going to take all of us little by little in districts all across the state, not just in one county, uh, to, to really turn education back into education and away from indoctrination. And uh, the fueling of, of that comes with uh, school board members. It takes good, solid, conservative, simple return to education minds to, uh, to do that. So uh, I certainly hope people will consider coming out and talking to others and strategizing that way. So tomorrow morning, thank 9 you. o'clock, Thirsty Cowboy. Thank you so much, Lisa. Always a pleasure. Keep up your good work. All right, there's uh, Lisa Woods. We'll take a time out here for news. We'll come back. Going to talk a little bit more about issue one since uh, Jack Boyle just brought that up, too. Michael Ganadakis, president of Ohio Right to Life, will join us talk about that aspect of it. Stay here. Always Right Radio. Another hour to go on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Final hour of the broadcast underway now, 12 minutes past 11. A little bit late getting in because we were a little bit late getting out last hour. Uh, Apologies to you for that, but thanks for sticking with us. It is a Friday, the start of the weekend, a free-for-all Friday of sorts, but we've been very uh, deliberate and focused in uh, in our commentary and our topics today. It is the 21st morning of the seventh month, year of our Lord, 2023. We are closer and closer and closer to deciding the fate of Ohio's Constitution on August 8th. Are we going to protect it, or are we going to allow it to remain uh, easily changed and essentially bought? Amendments can be bought by wealthy uh, special interests, even from outside the state of Ohio, the way things are now. Are we going to vote to strengthen it or not? Here's one of the reasons why we should. Your daughter's young, vulnerable, online. You fear the worst. 
pushed to change her sex or to get an abortion. You have some right to help her through this, but activists want to take all that away. Under their proposed amendment to the Ohio Constitution, the state shall not interfere with individuals getting abortions or sex changes, meaning you could be cut out of the biggest decision of her life. One of the uh, very, very powerful ads that have been released by Protect Women Ohio, PWO, is working very, very hard and very closely with the Ohio Right to Life. And we are joined now by the president of that organization fighting very, very hard to protect life and to protect the Ohio Constitution all at the same time. Michael Ganadakis joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Michael, good to have you on the program. How are you? Bob France, thank you so much for allowing me to be on your program. It's an honor. Well, you know, it's it's this is this is crunch time. I I started on J- July 11th talking about this in terms of a football game. You know, there's four quarters, four weeks before of early voting before the uh, before the actual voting day. Because I kind of feel like the way things have trended in elections in Ohio and nationwide recently, many of these things are decided before election day, and that's why I wanted people to get out there and win the first quarter, vote in the first quarter, vote in the second quarter, vote early voting at some point in that 30 day period, so we're not chasing from behind on election day so michael based on that how are you feeling now what 10 days in since we started early voting how are you feeling about the yes on issue one movement um look i I, we're feeling fantastic right now bob the enthusiasm is there look this is a uh get out the vote type of election um, a voter motivation election and whether you be pro-life pro-second amendment pro-police officer, pro-family farming, or all of the above, you're motivated to vote yes on issue one to protect your constitution and your right to live in one of the greatest, if not the greatest states in in our union, the state of Ohio. And where we are today, look, Historically speaking, uh, liberals always um, outperform conservatives on early voting. It's just a fact. Um, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden outperformed Donald Trump uh, here in Ohio during our presidential election. Donald Trump won Ohio by eight points, not once, but twice. And the good news is, as we call all the board of elections across the state, we are keeping up this time around now for the August 8th election with the the liberals for – for early voting. So the good news is, is our people are motivated. We still like to vote on election day. Let's face it, Bob, you know, there are people that say there's one day uh, to vote and that's election day. So we expect a huge turnout. Look, we're on TV, we're on radio, we're doing digital mailboxes are full. We have another round of TV coming too. So um, we are excited where we are right now presently, and we believe we're going to win. Michael Ganadak is president, sorry, uh, president of Ohio right to life. Um, there's a there's a bit of a disconnect among some. Um, I have spoken to um, prominent Republicans in our state who typically are pro-life people, um, but who are not backing issue one because of um, they they feel like in some some ways that this was set up incorrectly that the 60 percent threshold increase and the 44 to 88 counties might have made it too big of a bite. Uh, to, for people to make and to chew to, uh, you know, to change it that drastically. And they feel as though the left is, uh, they're riding the anti-abortion sentiment, or, or excuse me, the anti-life uh, uh, sentiment, the, the pro-abortion, the pro-choice side to, to take this thing down. Are we, and please understand my question. I am as pro-life as you are. I, yes, sir. Uh, even though I don't work with Ohio Right to Life, I mean, I, I, I believe the same things. 
are we focusing too much on the abortion issue to win this? Should we focus more on the constitutional protection issue as a way of justifying requiring the 88 counties and requiring the 60%? In other words, if we make this too much about abortion, can it be counterproductive in our effort? I guess that's the, the, the sum question. Fantastic question. Very fair and honest question. And here's my answer to that. Um, People often say, Ganadakis, isn't this all about abortion? And what I respond to every single time is, for my wife, Amy Ganadakis, and Mike, yes, it is 100% about abortion because the pro-life movement is our number one issue. But we have so many countless friends where the pro-life issue might be number two, three, four, or five, and that's fine on their list of priorities. But what I ask those people who don't have life at the top, what is your priority? And they mention their Second Amendment rights their ability to run a small business, their ability to protect their son or daughter who's a law enforcement officer or a firefighter, or they own a family farm or agri- in the agriculture world. I tell them that that is your motivating reason to vote yes on issue one on August 8th, because this is not all about abortion unless abortion is your number one issue. And if we do not protect our value, if we do not protect our constitution, Bob, we are going to lose the ability to protect our values. And Ohio will turn into California because they found a loophole, my friend. The out-of-state liberal interest from Hollywood, California to New York City looks at Ohio, and we have a bullseye on our back because we're one of, what, nine, ten states in the nation that have a simple, easy way to change our Constitution. But these radical people that want to take that want to get rid of our, our men and women in law enforcement, they know that they can't pass a law at the state house because we, the people, elect good conservative men and women to the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. So what do they do? It's that loophole I just talked about. They go to our state constitution and buy their way in. I mean, for the love of God, we have black jack craps and poker in our state constitution right now. And again, I'm not anti-gambling, but nowhere did our founding fathers, when they created the greatest document in the world, the United States Constitution, say, oh, yeah, there's also a constitutional right to gamble. There's not. We know that. But there it is sitting in our state constitution. The weed guys want to put weed on demand in our state constitution. Smoke it, grow it, get behind the wheel of a car and drive. And they want to plop that there. Abortion, as we talked about, George Soros, Michael Bloomberg are going across the country, pushing state constitutions. We're just the tip of the spear of the pro-life movement. And when they're done with us, they're coming after you. We're talking to Michael Ganadakis. He's the president of Ohio Right to Life. I think that's well said. Do you think, and again, this is a part of the, the strategery here, if you will, to borrow an old <laughs> um, spoken <laughs> word. Uh, do you think the 88 counties was too much? Most of us, when we're challenged by the no on issue one crowd, uh, you know, we say, yeah, well, look at what it takes to amend the, you know, the United States Constitution. 75% uh-huh. of the states and two thirds in the House and the Senate and so forth. When, the, and they come back at us, well, then why not 75% of the counties? Why 100% of the counties? Why should 87 counties get, uh, feel one way enough to get the signatures on those petitions and one county can hold the whole thing up? Did we overreach there? And if not, why? Certainly not, because here's the problem, Bob. These radical out-of-state interests pick their favorite 44 counties, the Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. So I'm not, you know, look, I, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, Indians and Cavs, but, uh, and I, I love my sports teams. But, you know, when Planned Parenthood collected signatures, they didn't go to western Ohio, eastern Ohio, southern Ohio. They picked their favorite 44 counties. And when, something, and when they put something in the state constitution, Bob, as you know, it doesn't just apply to the 44 counties that they chose to get signatures. It applies to all 88. And what we're saying is, is if the state constitution, which it should, apply to all 88 counties, all the residents of all 88 counties, then every county should have a say. 
You know, because what if Planned Parenthood, God forbid, is successful, it doesn't just apply to Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. It's going to apply to all the Western Ohio counties, the you know the God-fearing, deep-red counties um, in Western Ohio too. And they stand up and say, "Well, wait a minute, we never got to weigh in on whether we wanted this on the on the ballot or not." So what we're saying is, look, you know, if the Constitution applies to everyone in all 88 counties, everyone should weigh in. That is the great standard. No different than um, the United States Constitution. After two-thirds of the House, after two-thirds of the United States Senate passed it, which is, which is a huge hill to climb, then three-fourths of the state uh, legislatures have to pass it. So let's, my math isn't the greatest. Okay, that's 35 states. Well, what if only 34 states pass it? And then we say, well, wait, this 35th, do we really need that? Yes. Our founding fathers designed our system for our United States Constitution to make it hard to change our founding document, that stable document. Why? Because that's why we, the people, elect men and women to Congress or men and women to the Ohio State House. So we, the people, can control and have the power. If our elected officials don't do something uh, that we ask them to do or they do something that we hate, we, the people, can vote them out of office every two or four years. But when you drop something in the state constitution, it's there for life. You can't call the governor, your favorite state senator, your you know J.D. Vance, whoever it is, because they can do – you know what they're going to say? I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry, Mike. There's nothing I can do. It's in the Constitution now. You can't pass a law. The Constitution trumps elected officials. The Constitution trumps state law, federal law. And so what we're saying is keep the power with us. We, the people, we hold our elected officials accountable at the ballot box. Policy is policy. It's called the Ohio Revised Code for a reason, because we can amend and change it on a regular reoccurring basis. But once you plot policy in the state constitution, it's there for life, whether it be gambling, whether it be weed, abortion, getting rid of police officers' legal shields and rights to do their jobs, uh, abolishing family farming. That's in the constitution for life. That's very well explained. We're talking to Michael Ganadakis. Great response. And I agree, by the way, about the idiot counties. And you're right. If it was 35, then 34. Uh, and besides, we're not talking about getting a majority of each of those counties. We're talking about 5%. 5% of the voters who voted in the last gubernatorial election, which means they're active voters. 5% is all we're asking for. And that's a handful of signatures when you think about uh, all of these counties, whether they be urban or rural or some somewhere in between. That's not asking for a ton. Um let me uh, let me pivot to the actual November issue. Um, there's there's a headline I was looking at yesterday on NBC News. Headlined: Conservatives are making the Ohio abortion amendment about trans rights. I just played for you one of the Protect Women Ohio spots in which they talk about exactly that. It is legitimate to bring this up because the the language in the abortion amendment. You know they want to codify abortion and enshrine it into Ohio's Constitution up until the moment of birth. But it is so vague where it talks about reproductive rights for all individuals, it leaves it open to the issue of transing because, um, you know, as we all know, the sex changes literally render one sterile uh, or infertile. Uh, and all of these things that are done to kids uh, would do exactly that. So uh, are we stretching to say that this is about trans issues in addition to abortion, what they're trying to do in November? You're 100% right, Bob, and I challenge anyone to fact-check what you said or anything we've said uh, from the beginning of this effort. Um, and if we say anything inappropriate, uh, false, they can file a complaint with the Elections Commission. They could sue me. I'm a lawyer. I'm, you know, of my law degree. My law license requires me to uh, not put forth anything that's inappropriate. Yeah, I've had no complaints filed against me with the state bar and nothing filed with the Elections Commission. What does that mean? It means the following, what you just said. And the plan, this is no mistake. It wasn't a oops. Planned Parenthood and the ACLU purposely wrote those words, less than 250 words of their ballot initiative, and they wrote them so vague because they want to include the trans movement. They want a 13, 12, 11-year-old child um, to be able to do whatever they want 
without having parental consent, without having parental notification. Their goal, their ultimate evil goal is to destroy the family unit. They want mom and dad out of the picture, and they want government to take the place of mom and dad and the family unit and, and, and religion, too. They want people to look at government as the God. And what they would do, if, God forbid, they're successful, not only does it apply to abortion, but it applies to trans surgeries, as you said. Reproductive decisions include sex changes. So if a 13-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old girl is convinced by a CD guidance counselor or some uh, neighbor or adult, um, and, and they say they're, they're confused with their gender, they could get them on hormone replacement therapy without mom and dad even knowing. And if mom and dad knew, they couldn't object because the, the Constitution of Ohio would say, would say if Planned Parenthood wins, is that the state shall make no law that either directly or indirectly interferes with an individual. They use the word individual, right to reproductive uh, decisions. Um, and they didn't say woman. Why? I don't know. Only women can have children. And they said individual to include minors. They couldn't right. say adults. They, did, they didn't they say didn't. adults either. Right. That's a big part yeah. of this. Right. Yes. They, they are absolutely targeting minors for the transgender movement, and they're targeting minors to have an abortion whenever they want. That is exactly what they're doing, and anyone can challenge me. I've, I've told reporters on the left to challenge me. Not yet have, have I had one of those. That's what's at stake, Bob. The media is protecting them. You're going to see slick 30-second ads come this fall that says uh, protect women's rights, protect women's health care. Yes, on whatever it is, issue two, whatever that is going to be. Um, when simply put, that's not the case. And if they get what they want, which is exactly what they want, every single pro-life reasonable law, 24-hour waiting period, parental consent, parental notification, um, making abortion clinics follow health and safety standards are gone because the Constitution trumps elected officials. The Constitution trumps state law, the revised code, as we talked about moments ago. That's what they want. You know, Michael, you're exactly right. One of the most frustrating things to me is that's the language that they use to get the 700,000 uh, petition signatures that they got. Uh, in so many cases, we've seen evidence of this where they're just saying, do you support uh, uh, women's rights, women's health rights? Do you support women's health rights? All you have to do is say, if you support women's health, then sign this. Uh, so th that's how they're going to couch, you know, they're going to couch the language in, uh, in November. And that's what they did to get even enough signatures to get it on the ballot in the first place. It's dishonest because, you know, they may claim it's about women's health insofar as a woman who is pregnant does indeed need health care, but then that doesn't take into effect, or, or they certainly don't explain to the petition signers what that means, that we're giving them a right to uh, to kill a baby, and we're giving, a, yeah. giving them a right to, uh, uh, you know, to, to uh, children a right to, to change their sex without the parental input. All of that stuff, their language is very vague for a reason, because when it comes down to specifics, they cannot get the support that they want. You're absolutely right, Bob. They lie, they lie, they lie to get what they want. The media, the mainstream media covers for them, um, never reports on it. Um, but at the end of the day, what they're saying, look, I, I have a daughter. I believe you do too. I'm married. Uh, you're married and I care about women's health. I care about, I don't, I'm not what, why they call it women's rights. Our rights are our rights, whether you're a man, woman, whether you're black or white, old or young, it's our rights. But you know, the identity politics of the left always has to say women's rights. Well, there are no special rights for someone based on their gender. We all have the same rights, life, right. liberty, pursuit of happiness right but what they're saying is what you just said you know protect women's health care what, what the heck is that and I, unfortunately the average person on the street that's busy at work raising kids trying to make ends meet in this crazy terrible biden economy they're like oh yeah sure i, I support women's rights sign the document or go and vote yes you know the, the casino industry did it too you know they said shouldn't grandma um 
be allowed to play a game of cards in Ohio? Why does she have to go to Windsor, Canada to play cards? Vote yes on issue one. What they never told you, though, was, you know, they build in a monopoly, set their own tax code, and put their addresses in our state constitution so them and only them could have casinos, amongst other things. They promised uh, every school would have perfect uh, school systems, too, right? Cold-plated streets leading up to our schools never happened. So they, they lie, they lie, they lie. And what we need to do is continue to expose the truth on shows such as yours. Yeah, I completely agree. And by the way, I was in t- total support, by the way, of the amendment to allow casino gambling, uh, because I believed a lot of the things that they ended up t- you know, lying about. And that's one of the reasons why, in my opinion, now, as I look back on that, I, I sh- I'm still fine with gambling. Being an adult, yeah. you can do what you want to do. If you want sure. if you want to spend sure. money, you know, $500 at a Browns game, go ahead. If you want to spend $500 at a casino, go ahead. I'm, I'm for freedom on that regard. But it should have taken a much stronger majority to get that to pass the state of Ohio Constitution or to uh, enshrine the Ohio Constitution. That is what yes, we're talking sir. about here. Michael Gunnar. Okay, I'm sorry. No, that's right. Go, last go thought. I know we're out of time. That's okay, but last thought. Go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, policy should be done at the state house by passing laws so we can hold the political class accountable. When out-of-state special interests spend $50 million to put in the Constitution, we're stuck with it for the rest of our lives. Please vote yes on issue one on August 8th. That's exactly what it's all about. President of Ohio Right to Life, Michael Ganadakis. Michael, thank you for coming on. Keep up the good work. we still got uh, two and a half quarters left to go of early voting. Then we have to win Election Day on August 8th as well. Thank you for what you're doing, and I'm sure we'll talk again between now and then. Thank you, sir. You're a great American. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, 1130, news time, bottom of the hour. We'll come back. I got one more segment, which means time for you at 216-901-0945 right here on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. Yeah, 11.38, I always like to, uh, at the tar- uh, top of this segment, I like to thank those sponsors who gave us our third hour. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for Mark King and Keeping Medicare Simple. And Karam Hezruni, I just jokingly in fun in a fun way call him Keanu. Keanu, uh, Karam Hezruni, by the way, is more than just the owner of the Floor King. He's running for school board in Brooklyn. We were just talking to Lisa Woods about that. He's running for school board in Brooklyn. That's huge. That's a big, big thing for me because we need more conservative-minded individuals in uh, on school boards to protect our kids from the woke and DEI indoctrination crap that's going on in so many government-run schools. So he's running for school board in his hometown in Brooklyn. I want to wish him all of the best, and I'm going to probably have him on to talk about that campaign uh, as time goes on, and I encourage other people who are civic-minded to do the same thing. So thank you to Mark King. If you have any Medicare needs, seriously, I want you to call Mark King, and if you have any flooring needs i want you to call karam and the floor king that's uh i jokingly or, or lovingly call them my pair of kings i'll take that to any poker table in the world i'll have a pair of pocket kings and be very very happy about that okay to um where how about frank and brook park frank you're on am 1420 the answer you're at the top of the list go right ahead thank you hey uh, have you seen this mailing from uh, the 19 pro-life organizations of ohio just about a week ago it came out. It says, join with pro-life and pro-family Ohioans by voting yes on issue one. Mm-hmm. I merely want to read the closing part of it, which is really ludicrous, and it reveals the enemy in our pro-life organizations. The closing sentence says, even more radical, issue one that is, 
it would take away parents' rights to consent to an abortion or sex change surgery being performed on their minor children. That was the closing sentence. No, it mentions Ohio's Constitution is under attack by the ACLU and her and her radical left wing allies. Right. We're trying to enact one of the most extreme abortion laws in the country. Right. The law allows abortions up to the moment of birth and eliminates health and safety standards for women. But that closing sentence, even more radical, it would take away parents' rights to consent to an abortion or sex change surgery being performed on their children. Period. End of paragraph. So, in other words, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like it's worded very confusingly. Rather than saying it takes away a parent's rights to counsel their 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 daughters uh, in circumstances like this to 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 have their babies and to not uh, abort their children. In other words, it takes parents' rights away to have a say in what their child does with their with their uh, bodies while they're minors. Well, it, uh, let me read it again. That last sentence. This is from Ohio Rights Law. 19 pro-life organizations yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, I got it. Go ahead. Even more radical. This is part of the description. I think, the, I think, I think the problem place. is you're out of context, Frank, because you're starting with even more radical. Give me what came before that before we get to even okay, more radical. Okay, I'll give radical. it to you. Here's how it started out. Vote yes on issue one. Ohio's Constitution is under attack by the ACLU and their radical left-wing allies who are trying to enact one of the most extreme abortion laws in the country. Mm-hmm. The second sentence is, the law allows for abortions up to the moment of a birth and eliminates health and safety standards for women. Even more radical, it would take away parents' rights to consent to an abortion or sex change surgery being performed on their minor children. Right. Right. I, I understand it. I understand what the intent of the of the ad or the mailer is. And that is to say it takes away a parent's rights uh, to to consent, meaning that the child can have an abortion without a parent's consent if this law passes, if the law in November passes. But of course, this is where the confusion comes in. And the left is sowing all kinds of discord here because of the confusion. We have to vote yes in, on the one here on August 8th in order to be able to vote no against that type of of monstrosity in November to make it a little bit a little bit you know more safe for us to be able to protect life in this state so for parents to have rights uh, uh, with their children what it is trying to say clumsily it appears to me is that parents should have a role in saying what happens with their children and if the left has their way by defeating issue one on August 8th and then by passing this thing in November minors will be able to consent to their own abortions without their parents having any say so Right? The last sentence. All right, Frank, I can't do it any better. I can't do it any better. Thank you for the call, my friend. I, we're on the same side, but I just think we're, we're totally missing each other here. I, you, you keep saying that there's something about that sentence, and I'm telling you what the intent was and why it's confusing. I can't do it any better than that. I apologize. I wish I could. Charlie in Lakewood. Hi, Charlie. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. I'll try to make this fast. Uh, the, it oh, seems it's to be Mr. The... I, I didn't realize it was you. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Kalani. Go ahead, sir. I, you didn't say Flakewood. No, I didn't. Uh, it, it seems to me that the morale around issue one is on the low side, and especially with how the left is hammering with all their ads and everything, and it seems like that's all you're seeing is vote no everywhere. And by the way, I'm 100% in favor of issue one in August. I, I'm fighting to make sure it passes. I'm fighting, fighting to make sure everybody I know votes yes on it. Um, but if 
the the abortion amendment is going to be on the ballot in November. What do you say to the people that are saying, let's keep our powder dry, maybe not abandon issue one, but, you know, kind of shy away from it a little bit in order to slam hard in November against the abortion amendment? Well, I can't answer that now because we got four seconds before the show ends. I appreciate the question, though. We will talk more about this on Monday. Thank you, everyone, for being a great part of the week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.